John chapter 4, verse 28. Verse 28, we'll read verse 28 through 30. Then we're going to skip down to verse 39. The Bible says in verse 28, though, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Would you help us pray and you be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to be here uh, this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the good songs that have been sung. Thank you, Lord God, for the spirit in which they've been sung in. Thank you, Lord God, for these folks that are here. But God, most of all, we thank you for the presence of yourself. Thank you for being here and being real. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. And thank you for the reading of the Word of God. But now we pray for unction and anointing God to preach the Word of God. Help me, Lord, say everything I need to say, nothing I don't need to say. Help me, God, to guard my mouth, God. But guard my mind, please, oh God. I pray under the sound of our voice that there be anyone here lost and undone. I pray they'd realize you are the Savior of the world. And if there be anybody here that's in a backslidden condition, I pray they get right with you. And there be anybody here that just needs encouraging from the Lord. I pray, God, that you'd do that. God, thank you for being a God that can meet every need simultaneously in this building today. I pray that you do it and get the glory for it. In Jesus name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the word of God. We've been in John chapter 4 here uh, several Sunday mornings now and, and just to, uh, by, by way of introduction, just to give a little bit of background, not trying to rehash and re-preach the message over and over and over again, but we find that Jesus had a, a divine appointment met uh, meeting a woman at the well outside of a city of Samaria, uh, Samaria called Sychar. And when he meets this woman, uh, she does not recognize who he is, but she does recognize that he is a Jew and she is a Samaritan. And just by way of background, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. They did not like each other. They, they uh, despised one another, matter of fact. And the Samaritans were a group of what you'd say a mixed race people that, that were partial Jews, but partial Assyrians and even other, uh, uh, other nationalities were mixed in. But not only were they a, a mixed race, they were a mixed race religious people. They had a lot of mixture of religion. They took a little bit of Judaism and they mixed it with uh, paganism. They took a little bit of what the Bible would say but then they mixed it with their own ideas. They, they had their own copy of the first five books of Moses. They had a Samaritan version if you will and then they only took the things out of it that they wanted to apply to their life. Sounds like a lot of modern day people who claim to be Christians. They had their own version of the Bible and then even that they only
only take uh, what they want to out of it and apply it to their line. They don't want the whole book. They don't want the entire Bible. They take the bits and pieces they want to fit their life. And even then they twist it and make it fit their life. And this is what the Samaritans did. They had their own temple. They had their own priesthood. They had their own way of religion. Uh, and then they, they, they had a lot of... And so, so they despised the Jews, but the Jews despised them. And so this woman was surprised that not only a man is talking to her in public, but a Jewish man is talking to her in public. And they go on to speak about the living water. And we preached on that last week again. We went back to that living water and how that Jesus is the living water. And the gift of salvation is the water that when you take a drink of that water, you'll never thirst again. My friend, I, have, I was thirsty one day, but when Jesus came by, my well and he saved my soul I have never thirsted again I've never thirsted uh, for the things of this world I've never thirsted like I thirsted the day before I got saved but now my thirst has been quenched uh, and I never have to drink again thank God for that and so when she hears this though she doesn't immediately get saved she doesn't immediately believe who he is she, she goes on to question him and then turns her conversation on religion. But before Jesus speaks to her about religion, he wants to talk to her about her sin. And he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. He deals with her about her sin. Then she goes from seeing him as a Jew to now she says, well, you must be a prophet. And they begin to talk about worship. And Jesus tells her about true worship. She says, well, I know that the Christ is going to come. I know that the Messiah is going to come. And he looks at her and says, he that speaketh to thou, or I that speak unto thee, am he. He said, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah, I'm the promised one, I'm the Savior. And the Bible says she, uh, she believes him. Uh, she, she comes with, uh, uh, the Bible said right after he says that, verse 26, verse 28 says, The woman left her water pot, went her way in the city, and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? It tells us that she believed that he was who he said he was. He she, she saw that he was a Jew. Uh, she saw that he was a prophet. But now she says, no, he's more than a Jew. He's more than a prophet. He's the Savior. He's the Christ. He's the one we've been looking for. We see this woman. She drops her pail. That water pot, re reckon, uh, re it resembled or it typified, it symbolized all the emptiness that she carried around with her, uh, all the, the things she had tried to fulfill her life. She had tried to fulfill broken relationships and it didn't work. Uh, she tried religion and it didn't work. There's no telling what else she had tried. And that water pot it, uh, represented uh, all the stuff she tried to fill her life with, all the junk she tried to fill her life with, all the good stuff that she tried to fill her life with but every time she come back empty every time she come back more thirsty but this time she leaves the water pot she drops the pail and one man said she dropped the pail jumped the rail hit the trail with a message to tell come see a man we find this morning she goes into town and she talks to the men 
And it's amazing she talks to the men uh, because that would not be normal. In the normal circumstances, men and women were not supposed to talk to each other in public. And they were not supposed to talk about anything really in public, but, but especially religion. But she goes to the men because she's got a better relationship with the men than she does the women in the town. You imagine a woman in a small little village that's had five broken marriages and she's shacked up with somebody now. Uh, she ain't making the women happy, all right? And so she goes to the men and she testifies of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. And I want to say by way of introduction this morning, number one, we see the influence of a testimony an influence of a testimony never underestimate the power of a testimony I read a, a story this week about in 1958 uh, they released the first commercial uh, jet the Boeing 707 and uh, they were releasing those out into commercial airlines and, and trying it out as a commercial aircraft carrier and uh, one day on another type of aircraft, uh, uh, there was two passengers began talking uh, about that uh, Boeing 707. And one man in the seat was a man who helped engineer the Boeing 707. And uh, the, he, he started talking about all the testing they had did on this plane. He had talked about all the safety features on this plane. He had talked about all the good things about this plane. I mean, just really making it sound great to his friend travel or the person traveling with him. Well, the other traveler looked at him and said, well, how many times have you rode on one? He said, well, I'm going to let it go through a little bit more testing before I try it out. He made, his testimony was, this thing is great, but his life didn't match up with his testimony, right? Hey, listen, this woman, though, when she came and she started testifying that the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah is here, they noticed immediately there was a change about her. They noticed there was something different about her. Something had changed since she went out to the well earlier that day and when she come back. Don't underestimate the power of a testimony. Listen, you're, we are called to be witnesses in this world. We're not called to be lawyers in this world. What's the difference? A witness just tells what they've seen and what they've heard. But a lawyer argues a case. Hey, we're not out here trying to argue a case. We're just witnessing. We're just called to witness what we've seen and what we've heard. Hey, listen, a testimony of what Christ has done for you is worth more than all the apologetic books in the library. A testimony of a changed life can do more than the greatest, uh, uh, the greatest apologetic professor in any great college or seminary a testimony of a changed life can do more than all the arguments in the world a testimony of a changed life now listen I'm not against people having a well uh, a well present a well presented and a, and a, and a reasonable argument and and, and again uh, debating the, the faith somewhat I, I don't know the Bible talks about not debating I'm not saying we ought not know uh, what we believe and, and know theology we ought to I think the downfall of Christianity in this generation is not knowing what the Bible said not knowing what you believe and why you believe it uh, the reason there are many people going opposite directions is because they've never been taught the Bible 
Bible. They've never been taught. But watch this. There's some people that's fresh in this thing that don't know anything about the Bible. They just know that I went to a well one day really, really thirsty. I was really, really empty. And all of a sudden I met the Savior and He changed my life and He filled me up and He's changed me. Hey, listen, you don't have to be a theologian to give your testimony. There's power in the testimony of a changed life. You don't have to be a dynamic witness. You don't have to have a great story. You don't have to have a great story. You don't have to have a you don't have to have a past like this woman had. You don't have to have a great laid out outline or a great laid out uh, dissertation or a, a script, if you will. Uh, you just got to know what happened to you when you met Jesus, where you was before you met Him, and what happened when you met Him, and how it's been since you met Him. Here we see. This woman is not who we would think God would use to bring the message of salvation to the Samaritans. I mean, you got these 12 disciples. They just went in to buy meat. You would think Jesus would have sent them into Samaria and they would have preached the great thundering message and they would have taught some great truth that they had learned while they'd been traveling with the Savior. And that would be how God would do it. But no, God uses the simple things to confound the wise. One man said like this, we're shown here that God is pleased to use a feeble messenger to accomplish mighty ends. He said this, frequently he employs weak instruments to make manifest his mighty power. God's thoughts and ways are different than our thoughts and ways. You think about it, he used a, a little shepherd boy to defeat Goliath, that great mighty giant. He took a Hebrew slave and the Hebrew slave named Daniel had more wisdom than all the magicians of Babylon in those days. Hey, what about this? He took the words of Naaman's little servant girl and they spoke more power to Naaman's life than the words of that great prophet Elijah did. And then when God started looking for a, a, a mama for his, for his son, a mother for the son of God, he didn't go to a princess. He found a little peasant girl named Mary. And then here we find here this mighty work in Sychar, the revival in Sychar, the revival in Samaria. We find it's by a converted harlot, if you will, an adulterous woman, a, a loose woman, Oh, friend, listen, God uses things that we do not think are usable. God takes broken things and does great things. He takes weak things and shows His mighty power. Notice the Bible says in verse number 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on Him for the saying of the woman. Don't underestimate the power of your testimony. Listen, there's a power in telling people about the saving grace of God. And here we find that, the, that her testimony brought people to Christ. Listen, if you're born again, you've got a testimony. You say, well, I don't have one. It's because you're not born again. You say, well, you shouldn't be so straightforward. Well, somebody's got to be. We've got enough of this tiptoeing through the tulips. We've got enough uh, dodging uh, what's reality. Listen, if you don't have a testimony, it's because you've never been born again. And if you've been born again, you have got a testimony of the, what happened when Christ changed your life. See, listen, this woman, this woman didn't have some great, again, outstanding message, if you will. I mean, listen, she just says, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did, is not this the Christ? 
She didn't have three points in a poem. She didn't have a bunch of Bible verses. Now listen, there's power in the Word of God. We're going to see that here in just a little bit. There's power in the Word of God. But she didn't have it all laid out. She didn't have it memorized. She said, come see a man who told me all that I had did. Listen, this poor, ignorant, wicked Samaritan woman was used by God to bring an entire village to Christ. She didn't have a great message, but you know what she did? She did what she could. This morning, there's some of you that are struggling about serving the Lord because you're worried about what you can't do for the Lord. You're worried about what, what I'm not able to do for the Lord, but what are you doing what you can do for the Lord? She did what she could. And you know what happened? When she did what she could, many, the Bible says, many people came to Christ. We've got to stop worrying about what you can't do and what, you can't, what, 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 what you're not able to do, what you're not qualified to do. What, you know, what can you do? Well, you can tell somebody how precious he is to you. You can tell somebody how precious he has been to you. See, see they knew the wicked life she lived. They knew what she was. They knew what she had been. And listen, their curiosity was stirred. Hey, they said so, they knew what she was, but she's saying a total stranger has told her everything she did. You know what I think someone was wondering? Wonder if he knows who she did them with. Some of them men are thinking, hey, if she know, if he knows what she did, he knows what I've done. Huh? Some of those men got to thinking, watch this, I believe their sin was exposed right there from the testimony of this saint, the influence of a testimony. They knew what she had done. They, they knew what she had done. Now this man knows what she's done. Now they're thinking, oh man, hey, he knows what we've done. I'm going to tell you something. Again, as we move on this morning, but you may not think you have skills or abilities to witness for the Lord effectively. But this woman didn't have skills. This woman didn't have abilities. She wasn't trained. She had not been following Christ for three and a half years. She had not been to a Bible college class. She had not been to a soul winning seminar. She had not been to even Sunday school yet. She hadn't even been to a real church service yet. She went and told, hey, I don't know everything about this guy. but He knows everything I've done. It's not this Christ. It's not this the Savior, is this not the anointed one? Is this not the one we've heard that was coming? Listen, this verse not only is an encouragement to us that don't have skills and abilities, it's an encouragement to those that you may think you've gone too far. It's already been said in, in, in the testifying this morning. Hey, you may think you've gone too far in sin. You may think you're too great a sinner for God to, to use in His work and His harvest. But listen, there may be some things you can't do, but there's a whole lot of stuff you can do. Again, one thing is telling somebody about Jesus. Telling somebody how Jesus, but watch this, we see, the, we see the influence of her testimony, but watch how this influence works. In verse number 39, the Bible, or verse number 40 said, So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. We see the invitation to tarry. The Bible says many of them, by the testimony of this woman, believed on him. Now it might, it might be that they believed that, well, he must be a prophet. And that may be all that some of them did because we find out later more believed later, but, but there's an idea here. There's a word here in this text. 
in verse number 39 uh, that says that they believed on him. They believed on him. Meaning this, that just with her testimony, they put their faith in Christ. Believe on the word. Literally, it means believing in two. They had put their faith in him. They had put all their eggs in one basket, if you will. <laughs> and that's what faith in Christ is. It is believing on Him. It is believing into Him. It is putting your faith in Him and in Him alone. It wasn't faith in the woman. It wasn't faith in themselves. It wasn't faith in their Samaritan religion. It was faith in Him. They believed on Him because they had heard the testimony of what He had done for her. They believed He must be, he must be the Christ. And so they go out, they want to talk to him more. And the Bible says they besought him to tarry with them. They wanted him to stay. They wanted to hear more about what he had to say. They wanted him to hear what, they wanted more instruction. They were willing to listen to his words. They were hungry for what he had to say. You know, it's, they wanted him to stay, and he does. But, you know, that's a very big contrast to other places that Jesus went. You know, there's other places Jesus went and, and they didn't receive him at all. Matter of fact, he goes home to Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. I mean, home, where, where he's raised at, where everybody should like him, home, right? But the Bible said they let him out of the city, took him to the brow of the hill where the city was built that they might cast him down headlong. They wanted to throw him off a cliff when he went home. He goes into the Gadarenes. The, the country of the Gadarenes, and he, and he saves the man from thousands of devils. I mean, the man was causing havoc in the city. He was cutting on himself and screaming. They tried to chain him down. It didn't work. He's roaming around in the graveyard. He is causing trouble everywhere he goes. And Jesus walks up on the shore and delivers this man from those devils. And now the man's clothed in his right mind. And you would think the people would rejoice. You'd think the people would be glad. You'd think they'd throw a parade for the Savior. But no, what they do, the Bible says, they, they besought him to depart from them for they were taken with great fear get out of here leave get out of here causing trouble then we find another time where Jesus in Luke chapter 9 heads into Samaria again and into another village not Sychar but another village and because he was headed from there and his Bible says his face was set toward flint like towards Jerusalem because he was headed toward Jerusalem, that city of Samaria, uh, Samaria, that village of Samaria, they did not receive him, the Bible says. The Bible said that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Matter of fact, in our text, I didn't read this, but verse number 44 says, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Remember, part of this start of the, the beginning of this chapter. He was leaving Judea, his own, headed to Galilee. And he stops in Samaria and they receive him. They ask him, please stay. The Bible gives the idea they just kept asking him and kept asking him. The Bible says in verse 40, so when the Samaritans were come, they besought him. You got to imagine one of them said, hey, why don't you stay for a little while? I've got to go. I'm headed, I'm headed to Galilee. I'm headed to another place. Would you please just to stay for a little while? Just, just, we just got to hear more about what you've got to say. Well, well, we really need to be going. But no, they, they begged him to stay. Watch this. And you know what he did? He obliged. He did it. He stayed. 
You know, Jesus was always ready and willing to spend time with those who invite him to stay. You want to have fellowship with the Lord? Why don't you invite him? You want to have sweet communion with the Savior? Why don't you invite him? He's not going to intrude on you. He's not going to knock down the door. He's not going to barge in on you. He's not going to twist your arm. He's not going to make you do anything you're not going to want him to do. He is not going to force himself on you. But listen, if you'll invite him, he will abide with you. Maybe he's not abiding down at your home because you've not invited him home with you. You invite him to church because you want a good service. You invite him to church because you feel like that's the religious thing to do. But down at the house, it's my way or the highway. Down at the house, it's going to be what I say goes and what I want. I'm not letting God come up in here and tell me what to do. I'm not going to let God tell me how to rule my life. I'm not going to let God mess up my plans and let God mess up my, what I, my ideas. The reason he's not dwelling at home is because you've not invited him. Watch this. Some of you, you've not, you've not, he's not dwelling in your heart because you've not invited him. He's knocked on the door. He's offered the gift of salvation, but you've rejected. You've not received him. We see the invitation to Terry. Now, now watch this. He abode there, the Bible says, verse 40 at the end. He abode there two days. Now, I, I don't know what happened in those two days. We have no idea what all took place in that two days. We, we don't know where he, um, we don't know where he, where he stayed. You know, what house did he stay in? We, we don't know uh, what, what his disciples thought about him staying. They didn't say nothing about it. We don't know a lot about what takes place in these two days. But I have to imagine that these two days were filled with Jesus teaching and preaching to these Samaritans. One man said it was a great Bible conference down in Samaria. He, he, had to, he had to be filled with teaching and preaching, exposing them for what they were, exposing their false religion, exposing their wickedness, exposing, but then showing them what he could do for them and what the, what the Lord could do for them. He preached with power. The Bible says that when he got to preaching, they got to listening. They got to hearing what he was saying. They came, they came to him, and this is what they said in verse number 41, and many more believed because of his own word. You know, I don't know everything that happened in these two days, but as far as we know, he didn't perform any miracle. There is not one single, well, let me say this, outside of saving people, which is the greatest miracle, all right, outside of redeeming this woman at the well, Outside of them believing on him, that is the greatest miracle. But it's, I'm talking about a physical phenomenon. I mean, he, as far as I know, he did not make a lame man to walk. He, he, didn't, uh, he didn't remove a fever some, from someone. He did not cure anybody from leprosy. He didn't raise anybody from physical death. He didn't take anybody's physical blindness away from them. As far as we know, there was no miracle done whatsoever in Samaria that day. And listen, and they didn't ask him for it. They said stay, but they didn't ask him, would you do some signs or fulfill some wonders? You know, that's what would happen with the Jews a lot of times. He'd do a miracle and then he'd preach and they'd say, well, let's see another miracle. Well, let's see if he can do this. Let's see if he can do that. They, they were always looking for signs. They were always looking for wonders, but they didn't ask for that. And as far as, again, as far as we know, that he didn't perform any. Reminds me of those, those Berean Christians in Acts 17. 
They were more noble than those of Thessalonica. These despised Samaritans, these people who the Jews looked down on, these people who many people looked down on, they received the word of God with readiness of mind. I see. After these two days, we saw the influence of the testimony. We see the invitation to tarry, but I see this, the increase in true worshipers. Well, earlier that day, he was talking at the well with that woman. And that woman said, well, you know, our fathers, they, they say we ought to worship in the mountain here. And you Jews say we ought to go to Jerusalem and worship. He said this in verse 22, this is what he told the woman. This is what Jesus said. The woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what we know, what we worship for salvation is of the Jew. And then she, he says this, but the hour cometh, and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship. We find here that the testimony of this woman mixed with the word of God going forth to these people, we see an increase in true worship. For two days down in Sychar, they had heard the truth of God preached by the word of God, taught by the word of God, and they received his word with gladness. They believed because of his own word. Now listen, again, their faith, Here's what happened. Their faith came to rest on something more than somebody else's testimony. It's the word of Christ. It was, listen, now, now the testimony of this woman led them there. I'm not, don't forget the influence of a testimony. Don't underestimate the power of a testimony. But when they got to the Savior, when they got to the Word of God, when they got to Christ Himself, they found something more solid than a person's testimony. Some people's testimony of, of, of their Christian faith is a lot like that, that engineer on the Boeing 707. They talk about how great it is, but their life doesn't match up with it. They testify how how much they love Jesus, but their life just doesn't look like they love Jesus. God help our testimony. But you, and listen, you put your faith in people's testimony alone, you're going to be disappointed. Every one of us in this room has been disappointed by somebody that claims to be a child of God. Wait a minute. We've all been disappointed by people who are children of God. They're saved. They're born again. They've disappointed us. They've done things we just couldn't believe they, they would do. They've treated us ways we can't believe they treated us. Maybe they've forsaken us in our time of need. And we put our stock in somebody other than the Lord Jesus. These people came to him at first because well, this woman's got to change life. But something's happened. Something's real took place. I mean, other people have tried to change her and it's not worked. They came to him and they heard him teach and they heard him preach. They heard the word of God. They were stirred. They were stirred. It, they weren't stirred by a bunch of a, 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 a manifestation of miracles. You know, we got this, we've got this um, enchantment in this hour for miracles. Y'all, y'all notice that? We got these heretics like Greg Locke and D.R. Harrison. We got these heretics 
These apostates who have went off and now they're even making movies about deliverance and talking about this deliverance that they've got some power that these men think they have and even their wives think they have to be able to, and they're, men, they're, they're, they're trying to, listen, they're sensual. I mean, they're, I mean, they're charismatic, buddy. They're lively in their services. They're lively in their music. They're lively in their preaching. They're like, everything they do is real lively and they've got this hocus pocus going on and people are following them by the droves. These men are the face of evangelicalism now. People think that's real Christianity. People think, well, if we can't got, if we don't have this hocus pocus going on in our service, we must not have no real church. Must not have a real, we must not have the real power of God if you don't have all this fog and lights going on. Got this crown out here for looking for some kind of miracles with their healing lines and, and all this show business that's going on. Hey, listen, these people in Samaria wasn't looking for a show. They weren't looking for smoke and mirrors. They weren't looking for the miraculous. They weren't looking for some kind of manifestation of magic. They weren't looking for some kind of sign. They heard the word of God. They heard the truth. They heard what Christ had said. And they put their faith in what he has said. And not what some man has said. It's, it's real interesting the word they use when they speak to the woman. Verse 42. And they and said unto the woman. Now we believe. Not because of thy saying. For we have heard him ourself. And know that this is indeed the Christ. The savior of the word. Uh, the savior of the world. This is what they're saying. They're not downplaying her testimony. They're not. They're not saying. Your testimony is not important. They're just saying. Hey you, your testimony was good. Your testimony is a story. It was, it was a good testimony. It was, it, was, it was a good news article, if you will. It, it was good. It was right. Okay, again, not, not, not belittling that. We've heard something more solid than that. We've heard something more tangible than that. We've got something better to put our faith in. There's something deeper than just a story. There's something deeper than just a testimony. There's, there's something deeper than just a piece of news. We've heard Him. We've heard the Word of God. Matter of fact, it, how, how they say it. We believe because of His Word. And it, not for thy saying. Verse 42 now we believe not because of thy saying. Verse 41 says they believe because of his word. There's two different words there. Word and saying. Here's that word, that logos. That's what he is. He is the word of God. Chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, the word became flesh. We heard his word. And it trumps what you're saying. Again, not downplaying her, her, her testimony. What it's doing, though, is showing the importance of what we do with our testimony. Our theme this year is, He must increase, but I must decrease. And as we give our testimony, as we give our story, as we give our piece of news that Christ has saved us and changed us and what He's done since then, it is our duty to bring them to the Word of God, to bring them to Christ Himself. We're to plant we're the water. God's getting the increase. They were stirred not by some miracles, 
They didn't ask for a sign. Because we know he didn't perform any miracles here. But they put their faith on something solid. And now we believe. Not because of thy saying. But we have heard him ourselves. We've heard him ourselves. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you heard him yourself? Have you heard the Savior yourself? You can't base your salvation off your family's testimony. You may have a godly heritage. You may have a godly family. Thank God for that. I wish I could say the same thing. And I thank God you do. But your salvation is not based in your heritage. You might have a great church that you attended as a child a great church that you was raised up in, a great preacher that you heard preach one time, or maybe you're related to some great person or something like that, but your faith cannot be based on anybody else's faith. It can't be based on somebody else's testimony. It must be based on the lovely Lord Jesus himself. Their faith came to rest on something more solid than somebody else's testimony. And Here's what they say. Notice what they say. We're, we're coming to a close. Now we believe not because of, of thy saying. For we've heard him ourselves. Notice what they say. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. These men who that woman had came to influence to go to Christ, she had come see a man in two days had grown so much in their faith because they met him. In two days, their lives were radically changed because they met the Savior. Here's what they said they know. They said this, we know. We know that this is indeed the Christ. Here's what they, we know this is the Savior of the world. You know this, you can know a lot of things in this world. You can know a lot of people in this world. But if you don't know Jesus, you don't know anything. If you don't know Jesus, you've missed it all. The most important knowledge in all the world is knowing that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. You can know a lot of things, but if you don't know that He's the Savior, you've missed out on the most important truth there is to know. Because this truth of knowing Him as Savior doesn't just help you in this life. It helps you for all eternity. There's some people you can know here there's some people you can know down here that'll help your life. And sometimes just knowing the right people can get you in the right situations. But that'll only help you for temporary gain. But my friend, you know the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll help you here, but it'll help you for all eternity. We started this morning singing about how beautiful heaven must be. My friend, the only way you'll go to heaven is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can have all your religious things you've got. You can have all your religious activity. You can have all your rituals and all your traditions. But my friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, you will die and go to hell this morning. Do you know him this morning? They knew that he was the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know why they knew? They knew because they believed. See, the, 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 the key to their knowledge was their faith. See, spiritual knowledge comes from believing the Word of God. See, you, don't, you, you reject this Word, you reject this Bible, you ain't gonna have, you're not going to know anything about the Savior. Listen, you, you can't know Jesus outside of this Bible. Oh, I meet people all the time. 
Say, oh, preacher, I don't need church. I have church out in the woods. Oh, really? Yeah, I have church out in the woods. I said, well, I ain't never read that in the Bible. I meet with God out in the woods. You know what? Do I believe you can go to the woods and meet with God? Sure, you can pray. You can read your Bible. You can sing. But you know, but you know what I just said? You're going to pray. You can sing. But you know the key to that? You're going to read your Bible. You're going to get no God. Amen. You can know that there is a God out in this creation. You can look out at creation. There's got to be a God. This stuff didn't just happen. I told somebody this week, I said, I believe in the, they were talking about the Big Bang Theory. I said, well, I believe in that. They got real quiet. They kind of looked at me. I just kept working. I noticed they was looking at me. I looked up and I said, yeah, I believe in that. I just kept working. They said, uh, uh, uh. I said, I, you don't believe in that? No, no, that's wicked. I don't believe in that. No, no, that's what I do. I believe God said it, and bang, it happened. Amen. That's a big bang, amen. Hey, listen, God orchestrated this world. And you can see in the creation that God, there is a God, but you ain't going to get to know him outside of this book, out of this word. They got to know him because they believed his word. They heard his word, and they put their faith in his word. They believed that what Christ said. They may not have understood everything he said. I guarantee they didn't. But they believed it. You know, I don't understand everything in this book. There's a whole lot in here I don't understand. But I believe it. So I say, you believe it. That Jonah got swallowed by a whale and lived? Yep. And if the Bible said Jonah swallowed a whale and the whale lived, I'd believe that too. You believe God really parted the waters for them? Yeah, I believe he parted the water. You believe real uh, real uh, manna fell from heaven? I mean, uh, Krispy Kreme donuts fell from heaven? Yeah, I believe it happened, amen? You believe water come from, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. You believe God came to this earth, lived a life like a man, died on the cross as a sinner to pay for the sin of the whole world? I believe it. With everything, with every fiber in me, I believe it. You believe that he died and three days later he rose again? Yeah, I believe it. With everything in me, I believe it. Might not understand all of it, but I believe it. This morning, I want to notice this, and I'm done. Brother Tim, if you come play solid. It's, it's amazing the title they give him in verse 42. They call him the Savior of the world. You know you won't find that title in any other gospel account. Search through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you will not find any other group of people calling him the Savior of the world. You know, he told that woman down at the well earlier that day, salvation is of the Jews. And it's almost as if they say, yeah, that's right, it's of the Jew. But we found, we didn't just find salvation, we found the Savior. He's not just the Savior of the Jews. He's the Savior of the world. It's interesting they use this title. Though it's not found anywhere else in the gospel, it's found in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 14. Same writer, under inspiration, said this. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. We have seen and do testify 
that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. And he'll be your Savior this morning. Some of the Samaritans believed because they heard this woman's testimony. Others didn't believe until they heard Christ himself. You know what that just shows me? The sovereignty of the Savior. See, see, one soul may get called to him one way and another soul be called to him another way, but all are saved the same way. Everybody that's ever been saved has been saved the same way by grace through faith in the, in the finished work of the cross. But watch this. None of our stories are the same. Though every one of us are saved the same exact way, none of our stories are the same. If we was to take time this morning to give your testimony of salvation, there'd be differences in all of our stories. Some of you were saved in church. Some of you were saved after the preacher preached and the invitation was given, you came. Some of you were saved in the Sunday school class, vacation Bible school. Some were saved maybe in the preacher's office or at the preacher's house. Maybe you were saved at the church somewhere. Some of us were saved at home. Some were saved in the living room. Some were saved in the kitchen. Some were saved in the bedroom. Some were saved in the car, pulled over on the side of the road and got born again. Some of you might have been saved in a hospital or funeral home or on and on and on. Some of, some of you were led to the Lord by a preacher. Some of you were led to the Lord by a family member. Some were led to the Lord by a friend. Some of you might have been led by a complete stranger that told you, come see a man told me all that I ever did our stories may be different but salvation's the same the spirit of God works in different ways when he brings people under the sound of the gospel and then he brings people under conviction and then he redeems them if you're not saved this morning he's got a story for you and the end of this story didn't end that this woman was left at the well in her sin to fend for herself. The end of this story is she had a changed life. And Christ took that seed of that woman's testimony, planted it down in Sychar, and multitudes of Sychar, multitudes of those people believed just because he must needs go through Samaria. He's come through your way today. It's no coincidence you're here this morning. Whether you come here every single week or this is the first time you've been here, whatever, ain't no coincidence. Let me say this to, to the children of God, to the Christian. There's power in your testimony. There's power in your testimony. And you ought to give it out. You ought to tell somebody about Jesus. You ought to tell somebody. And listen, you don't have to have it all planned out. It don't have to be long. It don't have to be uh, organized. Just come see a man which told me all things that I ever did. It's not this, the Christ. Let's all stand head bowed and eyes closed this morning. I don't know what the Lord's done in your heart this morning. But Tyler's going to come get a song ready for invitation. But I would ask this. If you're saved today, I would ask you to pray. For those that are not, I would ask you to pray that God will help you be bold enough to give you testimony. I want to ask you this. If you don't know that, you're, that you've been born again, or maybe you know, maybe you say, I, I'm, not, I'm not saved, I, I don't know. 
Would you come? Let's take a Bible. Oh, we got plenty of people in here. If you're a man, we've got men that'll tell you, take a Bible and show you how to be saved. We've got women. You, if you're a lady, we've got women that'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. He can change your life this morning. He can change your eternal destiny this morning. There's some kids praying. Would you pray, Brother Tyler's going to sing a song of invitation. You do business with God this morning.